add a bit of sunshine to your home with Easy Living Furniture's Garden Furniture Sale with stunning dining sets, cracking egg chairs and relaxing sun loungers that are in stock and ready for delivery there really is something for everyone and with an extra 10% off sale prices and free delivery over 399 now really is the time to let your garden shine Garden Sale now on Visit Easy Living Furniture Don't miss out Find your local store online at easylivingfurniture.ie Leia Healthcare Looking after you always Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry Hello and welcome to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. Folks, on this week's show, it's going to be absolutely fascinating. I'm going to be chatting all about pelvic floor physiotherapy for men and for women with Aoife Niaki, chartered physiotherapist and clinical specialist, women's and men's health and continence. Did you know one in three women leak urine? It's a massive problem in this country, but fear not, help is here. Some women will have a severe urge to pee, which can happen very often, hourly, or even more and can happen up in several times a night. These women, though they're not leaking, their lives are ruled by their bladders. They can go from confident, bubbly people to being housebound and very anxious about leaving their home or going to places without first knowing where the toilets are. But don't worry, help is here. Joining me to discuss pelvic floor and all the treatments that are available is Eva Niaki. Eva, you're very welcome to the show. How's it going? Great, thanks, Carl. Thank you so much. Well, I'll be very honest. The reason you're here is I was in the car one day. I was driving along and I had to pull the car over listening to you on with Claire Byrne on RT Radio 1. It was a fascinating chat all about this topic. And I got onto my production team and said, we have to have this lady on. She is so interesting. And the topic is absolutely fascinating. So I'm really looking forward to this uh, this session. Let's get stuck straight into it. What is our pelvic floor? So, Carl, our pelvic floor is a group of muscles. If I could just start by maybe explaining where they are located. So if you imagine the part of your body at your waist and at the top of your legs, that's where your pelvis is located. And the pelvic floor muscles are in the base of that area. So the base of the pelvis. We're all very familiar with where our core muscles are in our tummy. You could also think of the pelvic floor muscles being underneath the core or the floor of the core. Okay. And this is a topic that generally people would associate with for females, but it's men and women alike need to be aware of this. Yes, you would think it's all to do with women and perhaps women around the time of pregnancy and postnatal and around the time the menopause which it is, but pelvic floor muscles are also really important for men as well. Okay, and why should we strengthen them then? So what do they do? So it's really important to strengthen them because they are so important for bladder function, bowel function, sexual function, and also for support of our organs um, in the pelvis. So support of our bladder, support of our bowel, so that we don't get prolapse as women or hernia as men. Okay. And how do you know, so people listening in, right, they're, they're intrigued already, I hope. How do they know if they have a weak pelvic floor? Is it literally the fact that you might need to go to the toilet more often? You know, what are the signs of a weak pelvic floor? Yeah, absolutely. So you will have bladder issues. So like you said in your brilliant intro there about, you know, the problems where your bladder can rule your life. Now, this can be for men and for women. So you can find that you're going to the bathroom more often. You're anxious if you don't know where the toilets are located. 
because you might have an accident, you might have a leak. So you can have overactivity in the bladder muscle when the pelvic floor isn't working correctly. So the floor and the bladder work together automatically. Also, you can have problems with the bowel. So again, if your pelvic floor muscles are not in the normal range of function, your bowel will not fill, store or empty properly. Wow. Okay. And, and, and tell me, you mentioned uh, kind of sexual function earlier on. And yeah. I love having sex on the show. It's always really yeah. interesting. And no one else is, is willing to talk about it, which is great. So how does it impact on your sex life? Yeah, so it impacts hugely on your sex life. So if we talk about women, first of all. So, you know, if we're talking about a woman, maybe in a postnatal period. So, you know, after giving birth, there are changes to the pelvic floor muscles and the pelvic nerves. You know, they're stretched. They're weak. They're not functioning correctly. So it could be difficult for the woman to achieve climax. The muscles just might not be contracting and relaxing and working automatically and reflexly like they should. Now, of course, in the early postnatal period with all that is going on and with hormonal changes and exhaustion, you know, that can be part of it, too. Now, uh, for the men. It can be a huge problem. You might be really interested, Carl, to hear that, you know, as much as 50 percent of men after age 40 can have erectile dysfunction. So it's really important to train the pelvic floor muscles for normal sexual function, for normal erections for men. Now, there are other treatments as well that the men will need in conjunction with uh, the pelvic floor muscle training. But it's really important for um, normal sexual function. And is it something that happens, you mentioned it there, with the aging process? So is it normal that as we get older, our pelvic floor muscles just get weaker unless we counteract it and do exercise like we would for, you know, a couch to 5k run or for a weights program or whatever? Is it just part of the aging process? Uh, yes, it's part of the aging process, just like any other muscle in the body. If you don't train your pelvic floor over time, it's going to decondition. So particularly, I suppose, in your 20s, that's a time to think about, you know, I don't have any issues now. I'm going to the gym. You know, I'm fit. I'm healthy. I'm exercising. But don't forget the pelvic floor. We have people coming to the clinic here, Carl, from age, you know, four, five, six up to their 80s, their 90s. We have top athletes here. We have people coming in fit as fiddles. Every other muscle is in peak condition, but the pelvic floor can be in rag order. But so much can be done about that. And just to say as well, you could be younger with issues. So, you know, you should begin training your pelvic floor muscle muscles sooner than in pregnancy, the postnatal period for a woman or in your 20s for a guy, but sooner if you have issues. Um, one of the things that we touched on the show a couple of weeks ago and was really, really popular was menopause. And I wanted to ask you about menopause and pelvic floor. Is there something there with that, you know, in terms of that isn't resolved by HRT? Is it again, is it common? Do, do they go hand in hand? What are you yeah. seeing as someone who practices this on a daily basis? Yeah, yeah. Huge. Menopause is a huge time for pelvic floor muscle weakness. So even in the pre-menopause sort of, you know, state, even in the as you're going through it and definitely after. So there are hormonal changes that occur where women lose estrogen. And when you lose estrogen, there's a sort of thinning of the vaginal walls, the pelvic floor muscles. And also, with the other symptoms like, you know, not being able to sleep properly, 
the gut symptoms. Again, if you're not sleeping right, your digestion isn't going to be right. Women can start to have overactive bladder symptoms. They can start to get a urinary tract infection. So, you know, these are all part and parcel of what goes on in the menopause. So really important to begin to train your pelvic floor muscles in, in menopause. But also, like you said there, the women may also need HRT. Even the women that don't have maybe bad symptoms of uh, HRT, this is a question I get asked myself a lot. A lot of my own patients contact me and they say, Aoife, I actually don't have any of these awful symptoms. You know, do I need HRT? Now, let me just say that I'm not a doctor, but again, just be aware of the benefits of HRT from your bone point of view as a woman. And just to say as well, Carl, bone and pelvic floor muscle dysfunction are linked. So though you might have no symptoms, you know, you might go on HRT for the protective benefit of bone. Unfortunately, as you know, one in two women over 50 in Ireland have osteoporosis. It's shocking. But again, if you can get in there in time, in good time, you know, before you get, you know, to a stage where maybe the changes have occurred, but it will also help your pelvic floor. So estrogen will help. But now, as you said there, you will still need to do your pelvic floor muscle training because estrogen won't do anything for muscle weakness. So what you're really saying is that all of us need to have a look at our pelvic floor and see if it's strong, weak or indifferent. And regardless mm-hmm. of an age profile, it needs to be part of your, your wellness routine, whether it's in the gym, whether it's at home. It's just something we should all be doing of pretty much any age group. And then especially as you get older, you just are more aware of it. But to start in your 20s, start in your 30s, uh, and do some really simple exercises that can improve it. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Add it into your routine or, or you know, uh, that you're doing already, the good work that you're doing. And then, you know, you won't have these problems later on. Okay, so prevention is, is the is the cure or is, a, yeah. is certainly the best form of cure for this. So tell, tell yeah. us through, uh, what. how does the therapy look? How do the exercises look? What do you do? Yeah. Okay, perfect. So I could give an example of one, you know, simple exercise that most people could do sort of no matter how weak they are. So this is, you know, a starting exercise that we often give. And this exercise is um, it's called the knack. It's an American term. And you'll be interested to hear, Carl, I think as well, that this exercise, it starts from the posterior compartment in the pelvic floor. So from the back passage side of things. Or from your bum, basically. Yeah, we'll call it your bum. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but again, you know, in a woman with a bladder problem, you might say, why are you starting, you know, here? Why are you, you know, women might be familiar with an older way of doing pelvic floor muscle training where they just focused on, you know, the front passage or they might have been, they might have heard, they might have been told to do a thing called a midstream stop. So to try and stop the flow of urine and, you know, men are, you know, would have been recommended this in the past, but we would no longer recommend that. Wow. And okay. Just that that say, on its own is, again, anything yes. I would have read previously and over the course of yeah. my career, it's all, a lot of it was very yeah. much around that. It's midstream yeah. at home for men and for women. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's moved on. So with the advent of new technologies, new diagnostics like MRI scans, live MRI scans, real-time ultrasound, we know as pelvic physiotherapists the real importance of the posterior compartment. You'll often hear me say, I say this all the time in the clinic here, it's not all about the squeeze. So though the squeeze is important, there is a movement that needs to occur internally, a forward and upward movement. Actually, it's two to three centimeters 
centimeter forward where your rectum is moved and your bladder is also lifted, both in men and women, to the right angle so that the automatic function works, you know, correctly. So that's why we start at the back passage. This is new enough, you know, in practice, we've known about this for the last 10 or 15 years, but it has been a game changer for us and for our patients with our results. But so to, to start an exercise then and to start this knack, if you could tighten the muscle around the back passage, if you could imagine that you're in a lift or you're at a party and not that you're doing pelvic floor muscle training or Kegels or anything, just imagine you're trying to stop yourself passing wind. Now, I don't mind at this stage in the training, if you hold your breath, if you tighten the buttocks, if the tummy comes in, you know, if, if in women the front passage comes in, if in men they feel the scrotum tightening, don't mind anything about that. You just keep imagining you're trying to hold in wind. And if you could do this squeeze with 100% effort, so a max squeeze, and if you could do this before and while you lift anything heavier than a jug kettle of water, so like, you know, maybe the groceries out of the boot of the car into the kitchen, and maybe the Hoover, wet baskets of laundry to the line, files at work, books, that kind of thing. And also before and while coughing and sneezing, this is a great starting point. And this automatically moves and lifts the muscle internally. And it's training a reflex action. And most people, no matter how weak they are, can do this. And it's, you know, it's a great starting point. And how many times a day should you do that? So is that several times a day? Is it do it like, you know, every time you're lifting something out of the car, every time you're going to lift something heavy, just squeeze, basically. Yeah. So the good news is if you're not lifting, not coughing, not sneezing, you don't have to do it. Right. But if you are lifting anything, we say that is heavier than a jug kettle of water. So even if you're filling the kettle. So what happens is when you're lifting something, there's downward pressure, uh, intra-abdominal pressure, we call it, on the, the, the bladder, the bowel, the muscles that are weak. So you're trying to train this automatic. So it's before you lift something. So the before is very important, Carl. Now, also try and keep the squeeze on. If we imagine in the shopping, bringing the shopping out of the boot of the car into the the kitchen. But this will be difficult for a lot of people to maintain the squeeze. But you would be surprised, you know, as the weeks go on, how it will improve. So before and while lifting, coughing, sneezing, lifting things that are heavier than a jug kettle of water. And Carl, if I could just say in an elderly patient now and much older, we might say to the patient or also in the case of a patient after prostate cancer surgery or after some gynae surgery, we might say to do it before they get up. So before they get up out of their chair, out of their bed or out of their car. And again, you can, you know, you can imagine that the lifting action, the tethering, we sort of call it the tethering reflex really um, is what's happening. So it's good. Hard to think of it. Of course, you have the lift done and you say, I never did it. But um, but then just as a ballpark, if you tried to get 10 of these done in the day. So, you know, at the end of your busy day, if you look back and said, now, did I lift 10 things that were heavier than a jug kettle of water? And did I think of it? You know, did I cough or sneeze much? And did I think of it? So little by little, you could you could train that. And what's the progression uh, scope there? So how do you progress? So is it being able to hold it for longer? Is it being able to do it more without getting tired? Is it, how does it progress over the course of time? How do you know that you're progressing? 
yeah, yeah, all of those, right? So there's four key elements that we're looking at in the muscle function. So we're looking at the strength, so the squeeze. We're also looking at the bulk, the thickness, right? So how supportive is the muscle going to be? We're also looking at the fitness, so the different muscle fibers that are um, to do with, that are responsible for endurance, the steady eddy, you know, the, the type one slow twitch muscle fibers that are involved in, in support, and then, as I said, the movement action, you know, we need to train that. So they're the four elements. So it is recommended that you are, like everything else, progressed through your pelvic floor muscle training routine. So we start, we have to start somewhere. So we start with that. And then we add in other exercises then that target. So um, that particular one is about reflex action. So if everything was normal, Carla, and we have the thought in our head that we're going to lift something heavier than a jug kettle of water, the brain instructs the floor to come on. It happens automatically, but it can't happen automatically if we're weak. So, um, and then we use a range of things. So just to say as well, you know, if there is someone here listening and they can't do that, you know, there is a chance that they're so weak. And in a lot of cases, you know, in, there's a range of weakness where the person might need electrical stimulation. So we do that. We do a range of exercises. We supervise progress. And then actually in women, sometimes we use internal weights. Think of them as dumbbells for the pelvic floor. But it's that would be in the latter yeah. end. Oh, whoa, of the... whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated now. <laughs> in 21 years of PT, internal weights. You can't just drop yeah. that in and not tell me all about okay. it. Tell me more about okay, that. Okay, Now, can I just say, don't start the internal weights day one, right? <laughs> so again, you know, just let's take let's take a broken arm in, you know. So if somebody, I don't treat broken arms, but if someone came to me with a broken arm, first of all, I'd get the range of movement right. Right. Then I'd give some exercises and then to really get the muscle strong. And you know this well, Carl, I'd add weights. And the same is true of the pelvic floor. So to really get a good pelvic floor, you want to use weights. So there's different varieties there available. There's some evidence to support them. And the women will use a weight in the shower for about, well, I recommend they use it in the shower. It's kind of like a weighted tampon. And there's a series of weights and it's absolutely excellent. But it is not for early days. Rehab. We're all learning today. That is absolutely for sure. Folks, you're listening to Real Health with me, Carl Henry, in association with Leia Healthcare. This is absolutely fascinating. It really is. It's just, it's just, it's so interesting. So let's chat about um, the, in terms of pelvic floor, most people would associate that with, po- with pregnancy and post-pregnancy. If yeah. you've had a baby, how long should you wait before starting some of these exercises, before starting that kind of holding movement? How long do you yeah. wait for Yeah. So if you're pregnant at the moment and you're due your baby, right, my top tip for you is start your pelvic floor muscle training the day after you give birth. So when you wake up from your first sleep, from being in the labor ward, access the pelvic physiotherapist that's going to be in the maternity hospital. You may not feel like doing it. You probably definitely won't feel like doing it, but it will be time well spent. And the pelvic physiotherapist will guide you on the early stage exercises. And sometimes you can go back in, just say you're unwell or the baby's unwell in those early hours that first day. You know, sometimes you can go back in maybe a week later to, you know, to that, you know, Though the other, sometimes they do it as a class, but definitely access the brilliant pelvic physios that are around the country in the maternity hospitals. And talk to me about men then. So on the ground, what do you see on a, on a day-to-day basis? Do you see men coming into you and are they embarrassed? Are they, openly talk, do they openly talk about it? 
I, I, I want to kind of tap into that aspect of yeah. it because I'm intrigued by that too because it's so rare in the conversation for men to uh, for, for men yeah. to listen to a topic like this. So what do you yeah. see on a day-to-day basis with men who come in? Yeah, okay. So I see three main cohorts of men. So unfortunately, I see a lot of men after prostate cancer surgery. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I see those men before they have their surgery. So unfortunately, so many men have issues with prostate cancer. And the surgery that is so needed to save those men's lives, to get rid of the cancer, unfortunately damages the nerve supply to the muscles and the muscles themselves. And part of the treatment as well, the men listening that have been through this will know, you know, a catheter is used for the first 10 days after this operation to allow some healing and recovery to take place. So those men will have issues. The good news is 80% of men that that have prostate cancer surgery have no urinary issues but unfortunately 20% of them will and it's those 20% that really I see now there are reasons why they they might have complications the tumor might have been a little bit bigger there might have been a little bit you know the nerve sparing mightn't have been as possible and what I really recommend though and lots of teams around the country do this is you know they send the men for the pelvic physio before they have the surgery so usually there's a in our center here in Galway now you know we have a four to six week window in general from the the cancer being identified and the surgery taking place and that gives us a little bit of time to pick up pre-existing issues that the men in this age group may just have through aging you know so prostate cancer is a big cohort the next cohort i see then is the guys that have the benign enlargement of the prostate and when your prostate, um, I think this is where the guys get, they escape the pregnancy related and childbirth, right? But the prostate gland catches up with them. So these are non-cancer patients and they just have this thing called benign enlargement of the prostate. And this prostate, it's like a little walnut between your floor and your bladder. But as it enlarges, it pressurizes the bladder muscle above it and the floor muscles below it. And those men will have exactly the same symptoms as the women. Urgency, frequency, leakage so that's you know a big cohort and can I just bring in the sexual dysfunction as well so again that will come in you know with the benign enlargement of the prostate that will come in uh, hugely with the men with prostate cancer unfortunately uh, for to do with some of the procedure great help is available I want to just say that you know do not put up with these symptoms seek the help that's available it's evidence-based you know this specialty of physiotherapy Carl is one of the oldest specialties and where I studied in the UK it's the specialty with the largest number of members so um you know this the, we, you know this is well evidenced it's around a long time it's a great specialty I want to bring people through your top tips then to finish up with. So, yeah. you know, we've been chatting all around the pelvic floor for life, that it is really important at all at yeah. all ages. A really simple exercise to start with, which is that squeeze while you're holding something yeah. that weighs more than a kettle. Brilliant. Um, keeping up your exercise is important. Even if you have to wear pads, if you are leaking, yeah. keep exercising. Yeah. Don't stop. That's really important. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, you know, I get a lot of queries, you know, I hate that pelvic floor muscle training. I did that before and it doesn't work. And are there any other exercises I could do or is there anything else? So just to say it is not a quick fix. You know, we have European guidelines that tell us to tell our patients that it can take three to six months or even six to nine months or even nine to 12 months to fully get in the normal range. So it's not a quick fix. These are they're complicated muscles. They're not like the muscles in our arms and our legs. They're a different makeup and it just takes time. 
So just don't throw in the towel uh, too soon. That's the first thing I'd say with the exercises. I'd also say there is a good chance that if you're very weak, you might need electrical stimulation. That's another tool that we use, Carl, have done since about 1950. And with the electrical stimulation, it repetitively contracts and relaxes these muscles perfectly, a high volume of times in the session. Let's say a session might be a 20 minute session and uh, nobody could do, you know, the high volume. So, uh, you know, it's in the region of 200 contractions. If I had an Olympic athlete standing here beside me with a normal pelvic floor, the most contractions they could probably do would be about 20 before fatiguing. So when you really soup up the contractions, you're thickening, bulking the muscles, but you're also stimulating the nerve supply. And again, the nerve supply degenerates a little bit um, with men and with women, particularly with women that have had forceps delivery, if I could just say that, or a third degree tear, birth trauma. So just you're particularly vulnerable with that. So do your exercises, keep them up. If you've seen a physiotherapist before, a pelvic physio, revisit the physio. Things have changed, you know. And, you know, the exercises like like the knack now, it's not like you have down tools to do that 100% knack. You're doing it while you're bringing in the groceries. You're doing it while you're hanging out the clothes. You know, you, you, you incorporate it to what you're doing already. Um, just to say as well, um, really look after the bowel. You know, your sleep is really important. If somebody comes to me with a bladder problem, I automatically assume they have a bowel problem as well because the two are so linked. The bowel is important in terms of digestion and regular movement. And presumably it's the regular movement which helps to train the muscles. It's like reps and sets of an exercise. It's the same kind of vibe. Yes, yes, exactly. And also it's getting in then with a little bit of advice, you know. So, you know, we are definitely not dietitians. We work very closely with the specialist dietitians as well. But a normal stool is really good for pelvic floor. It's designed to evacuate a normal stool. So, for example, if you have a very loose stool, muscles have nothing to do. They kind of wither. If it's a kind of marbles, constipated stool, you're straining and that strains them. So it becomes a vicious circle. You haven't the power to evacuate, right? And then you end up with backlog, sluggishness. So we can do so much for what we call obstructed defecation. So um, that's huge. Just on another couple of tips, really watch the sleep. Watch your, your weight. You know, we have some good evidence from a trial called the Poppy trial. If women's body mass index is over 30, they're at risk of prolapse, which is another condition. You know, women can have prolapse and bladder and bowel and sexual dysfunction. But prolapse is where the organs come down a little bit in the in the pelvis. It's very uncomfortable. It can, you know, you can start to get urinary tract infections. It can affect the bowel. It's a bit of a nuisance, but it is treatable. Building up the bulk in the muscle, along with some other things as well, um, maybe like pessaries. And um, just to say as well, very important that you see your GP if you have some of these problems, because there are some medications that are recommended as well. So we've talked about the HRT, vaginal estrogen, but there are some bladder and bowel uh, medications. But the pelvic physiotherapist will write to your GP, will link, you know, with your team or your consultant. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, a, a few heads sometimes are needed with the patient. Yeah. Um, but, but it's important to say that it's, it's multifactorial in terms of how to improve it. it. Like a lot of the things that we talk about on the show, it is looking at your sleep. It is looking at your digestion. Yeah. It's looking at your stool. And you didn't bring up the Bristol stool chart. I was very disappointed. <laughs> I was waiting for that to come. <laughs> but in terms of, you know, it, 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 you know, and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have someone on and we're going to do a pure poop episode because I think it's oh. really interesting and no one talks about it, but actually 
And to hear your uh, take on it yeah. and your professional take on it in terms of what the body's designed to do. Yeah. And if your digestion isn't right, that actually it's going to strain the muscles or the muscles aren't yeah. going to work because they just, they're not needed. It's another yeah. aspect of why that is so important. So there's lots of aspects that you can improve, but there is lots of help at bay. Do chat to your GP if you need to. If people want to get in touch with yourself, where can they find you? Okay, well, our website, Carl, is IPPM.ie and our social media is at Pelvic Expert. Amazing. Aoife, it's been fantastic to talk to you today. Enlightening, funny, but full of really good content and it's an important conversation to start. Folks, if you're listening in and you suffer from any of these issues or you have friends who do, send this on to them. It's important to talk about it. It is not embarrassing, especially for all the men listening in. We've talked about words that men do not like hearing, but that is absolutely crucial to take away any stigma that may be attached to it. If you like what you heard, don't forget to rate and review. It is very important. You know where we are, realhealthindependent.ie or at PT on Twitter and on Instagram. And we shall see you next week for more Real Health. Slong full. Leia Healthcare. Looking after you always. Proud sponsors of Real Health with Carl Henry.